Hello and welcome once again to the My Favourite Film Podcast with me, your host, Gav Smith. This week is the second of my two-part episode with the Journey Through Sci-Fi Boys. Uh, This week we're talking to Matt and James, this time about Matt's favourite film, which is Wally. Before we get into that, just the normal contact stuff. If you want to get in touch with me here at the podcast, um, just give me some feedback to get involved Whatever it is you want to do, it is my favorite film podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter, my fave film. Matt and James's podcast is called The Journey Through a Sci Fi Podcast. You will find them on email, journeythroughsci-fi at gmail.com, on Twitter at through sci fi pod. You can also find their Facebook discussion group by just searching Journey Through Sci Fi, and I believe there's a website out there as well if you just search Journey Through Sci Fi. From my point of view, if you're really enjoying this podcast, then please pop over to Apple Podcasts and give me a five star rating and review. It is, as I've said many times before, that five star rating and review that helps this podcast get found by new listeners. Time now then for the chat with Matt and James. This is a spoiler filled chat once again about the film Wally, Disney Pixar's 2008 film about a waste allocation loadlifter, Earth Class, also known as Wally, who is basically cleaning up the planet Earth until he finds a plant. And it is when he finds that plant that he finds the robot of his dreams in the shape of Eve. Eve comes to take the plant back to the spaceship Axion, and it's on the spaceship Axion that all of the love from this film happens. Please enjoy this spoiler-filled chat with Matt and James. Hello again, Matt. Hello again, James. Hello again, Gav. Hello. I think you'll probably say a little bit more this time, won't you, Matt? <laughs> I hope so, yeah. I expect to. <laughs> I hope to be as passionate about this as uh, James was in the last episode about Planet of the Apes. I'm sure you will be. I'm sure you will be. Um, so, we're going to talk about Wally from 2008. Fairly new film. So, I'm going to have to start. Why is this your favourite film of all the films? Why this one? <laughs> that, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> I mean, why not would, would be my answer. But like that—that's a—it's a fair question. Like um, this is going to make me sound. I just said I was going to speak really passionately, but it's going to make me sound like an absolutely cold-blooded lizard person. But like for for someone who you know, I, I love film and I love sci-fi, but I actually have a really hard time um thinking of like what my favorite film is that's actually like, quite yeah. a difficult thing there's yeah. lots of films i like and i don't sort of like rank them in my head that much but yeah. whenever i think about what my favorite films are i always think about what films have i seen the most you know right. willingly seen the most yeah and there's there's a range of them like um you know uh the room flash gordon yeah wally uh stardust i love stardust oh. And, uh, and and there's a few others that are like in that category, but but Warley specifically, um, I wrote my master's dissertation All right. about subjects that kind of it was a key film for my master's dissertation, which meant that and and the the kind of tail end of my my bachelor's as well, which meant that 
uh, I have watched this film more than any other film. <laughs> and I've never gotten sick of it. And even more so, um, I was watching it for like academic reasons, which I think anyone who's like done a film theatre or English degree or whatever, you know, like when you study a piece of art, yeah, any passion you have for it just just ebbs away as soon as you start trying to write about it you know yeah yeah academically yeah and it and that's never that's never gone for me all the all the time i spent just combing over like still images of of warley to to write about it in a a dissertation i've never every time i watch it i'm still like just mesmerized by it and i love it so that is why when i'm when i'm pushed to answer the question what's my favorite film i give it to warley wow Okay, that's that's very good, <laughs> incredibly good reason. It may sound loaded, probably won't sound loaded because um, I've probably come to Wally from a completely different perspective because I watched it the first time with my kids, and it it's always been the kind of it's a kids film, it's a family film, we we'll watch it together. Um, whereas you've come from a completely different angle that, than I have. I think the first time I saw Wally, I was on, I was on a coach doing a school trip to Disneyland. And I think I watched it on the coach, and that would be the first time I ever saw it. Um, Gavin, I'm going to say that that's not ideal conditions <laughs> no. to enjoy a movie for the first no. time. I think I enjoyed it the second time a lot more when I watched it at home with my own kids. But yeah, yeah, I've come from that point of view, I suppose. What's your What's your general experience of of Pixar movies in general? Because I kind of grew up with them a little bit, so. That so I never really see them as kids' films. I'm just the right age to like yeah. have grown up with them, and they're always making new ones. You see, oh, I, I, I'm going to show my age. I remember the first sort of stuff that they did. The sort of the first animations they were chucking out the things with the lamp and the mm. all the sort of one minute shorts that they were, they were pumping out before Disney started buying up the property. Um, so I've seen all of those little bits that were the forefront of. 3D animation at the time. So yeah, I suppose I was a bit older when that happened. I can't remember how old, how old Toy Story is, how old I would have been when Toy Story came out, but I know I did see it um, at the cinema as a kind of, well, we've got to see this because this is the best computer animation has ever been more than anything else. Yeah. So. It was, it was, was it 95-ish? So James and I would have been seven or eight. Yeah. So like... Yes, prime I, yeah. audience for yes, it. I'd, I'd have been like 24. But watching those films, like we, yeah. we were like, like they were just the right age for it. But I've always, I've always seen Wally as like, it's not a nostalgia thing for Wally. I do think no. that I come to it. I came to it as a, a young adult and I came to it with like fresh eyes. And I, yeah. I just see it as, I think it's a better film, less nostalgic than like Toy Story, Bugs Life. Yeah. But, I think it's a, a fundamentally better film than those earlier films. Yeah, yeah I mean, we were. I remember watching Wally at uni, so it's like we went to watch it as uni, as sort of like a, a student house. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's interesting that sort of perspective shift that you get from watching like a Pixar film as you grow older. And I think yeah, Matt's right. Sort of like we might have sort of like a different sort of um, uh, memory of it just because of sort of like we were younger when Toy Story first came out. Yeah. And funnily enough, I remember watching Toy Story at the cinema, but I hadn't got my glasses. So like the first time I ever watched it, I didn't see it properly. (laughs) And like we were sat really far back. And so like I didn't appreciate all the CGI and stuff. (laughs) So yeah, I'd like I always remember that because like I remember really loving it, but then not being able to see it entirely well. 
Yeah. Well, it's fantastically well acted, isn't it? And you were yeah. certainly enjoying uh, Tom great. Hanks yeah. and Tim Allen's performances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you probably came into Wally at the same age as I'll have seen Toy Story. Yeah, exactly. So it would have been a so, similar sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, probably the way yeah. I see Toy Story as being, wow, this is fantastic 3D animation. It's probably the same type of thing you're coming at Wally from, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it. Is, I mean, it is fantastically well animated, mm. but it's it's almost like it's not impressive in the way it's animated because it's the it's like the ninth film I think mm. that Pixar had made, and they were, I think they were like a little bit beyond like trying to wow people. Yeah. I mean, I think there is still an element of that because like they'd done Finding Nemo, and there's yeah. a whole thing with like making things underwater look amazing. Yeah. yeah and now they're yeah. trying to like make things in space look amazing yeah but at the same time like by this point in the pixar development they were like this powerhouse of storytelling it's so much more than just their is, yeah. 3d animation techie skills they are incredible um writers storytellers and that's that's what i love about wally although i was i came into it from the kind of visual side because i was writing about it for for uni but i i think there's so much there from a storytelling point of view I think it's it's Pete Doctor, isn't it? Who's one of the the main writers on this, and he his whenever he's done a Pixar film, they've been some of the better stories that are out there. And I see, I think they were by the time they got to Wally, they were just writing really good stories and managing to make their worlds look believable. I think that's a lot of the the thing from this that it's not about look how good we are at animating things; it's look how real our world looks, even though it's animated which I guess was part of what Walt Disney was trying to do when he started his animation. He just wanted things to look beautiful and look real, even though it was animated. Yeah, yeah and the way yeah. they're telling that story without any word, like any words, really, for the whole first half, it's just oh, completely yeah. silent. And then, like, Wally says, like, what, two or three words for the entire film? Yeah. So all of that really sort of, like, adds to that, to that world building they're doing in the film. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Wally, but they... Wally's gone. Sorry. But they scripted it. It's it's fully scripted. I haven't read the script, but now you're telling me I can find scripts online. <laughs> uh, I, I actually really do want to read the script because this is um, almost fully scripted. Like when Mo is cleaning uh, Wally in the in the hangar bay when he first arrives on the Axiom, yeah. there is there is written dialogue there by Andrew Stanton about uh, what Mo is saying about keeping things clean to Wally. There is actual dialogue there right um but but when you watch it you are just like it, another thing that i love about it is that it's it's almost a silent film and it would work yeah. as a silent film because it's it would. perfectly uh i want to say acted by the by the animated characters yeah. but you know it's perfectly performed <laughs> yeah um but but it's written with that dialogue in mind and then they again it's that kind of it's that kind of marriage in pixar of like technical creation and writing that they know how those two things are going to work together from from the get go. Like Andrew Stanton knows that when he's putting pen to paper. Yeah, yeah. So it was. So all of the robots speak all dialogue the same way as I suppose Chewbacca was in Star Wars. That there's a a proper script for everything that's been said. Is he scripted? I didn't know. Yeah, they, on on set he speaks in English. Yeah. <laughs> oh my suit. god. I'd love they to then put the, the bear sounds on later on, so that's why they can respond to what sure, he says sure. in the way they do because they're hearing him in English. I love that so much. <laughs> I would like to see footage of that. I'd also, I've never seen... I would like to see a cut of it. 
of I've never seen like David Prowse speaking. I don't know if there exists footage of David Prowse just speaking in his uh, you know, in his uh he's got like a Forrester Dean accent, hasn't he? Yeah. Well the the there must be because um when he went to the the premiere, he didn't realise he'd been replaced. He was expecting oh, to hear yeah, his own yeah. voice come out. Nobody told him that he'd been oh, yeah. replaced as the voice actor. He, he thought that it would honestly be him. So there must be some. I'm, I'm sure I've. I'm sure on one of the many Star Wars Blu-rays that are out there, there's some footage somewhere <laughs> of it. I know they've expunged all the good stuff from the from the purchasable Blu-rays, haven't they? Possibly, yeah. It, it's not canon anymore, so it's probably been removed. Yeah. 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 Well, if anyone finds anything, anyone who's listening finds any of that on YouTube or anything, I think all three of us would love to see some links. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chewbacca speaking in just like a normal guy's voice. Yeah. And Darth Vader speaking in a West Country accent. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the gold mine, isn't it? That would be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That old man is mad. You said it, Chewie. Boy, where did you dig up that old fossil? What? Where the hell are you been? Where the hell have you been? All right, don't lose your temper. I'll come right back and give you a hand. We good. You make my report. Tell him we leave it then. All right, I'll tell him. Start tearing this ship apart piece by piece until you find those tapes. Find the passengers of this vessel. I want them alive. Well, it's 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 Ben Burt is the guy. Um, I don't actually know his background, but he's like the the sound. He's credited as an actor in the film, but I think his yeah. background is more in the like sound design world. He's R two D two. Yeah, is he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the same guy who did all the sounds for all the droids in, in Star, Star Wars. Wars so, yeah. oh right, okay. So he's a so, real yeah, pro. He's like an old school this, pro. All of the Star Wars chat has suddenly like interlinked <laughs> into the film. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, no. Synergy. <laughs> I genuinely didn't know that about Ben Burt. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. He was. He, I think he's. Is he credited as being the voice of Art Duty somewhere along the way? I think he is. Well, um, this 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 speaks to my love of Warley. That to me, Ben Burr is the voice of Warley, yeah. not not the Star Wars guy. Yeah, which yeah. you know most people who are in Star Wars are the Star Wars guy. Yeah. So are are you? I suppose you said you you watch this a lot for all of your academic studies. Is it still one that you'd go back to now and just go? Oh, do you know what? I need a I need a nice, a nice day today. I'm a bit feeling depressed. I'll stick Wally on it. It'll cheer me up. Or... No, it's not, to be completely right. honest. But right. every time I watch it, um, like if uh, it, it's getting increasingly rarer that like I'll be browsing TV channels now, like, yeah. you know, just watch everything on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it would be one of those films, if I saw it was on, I would always make a point to, to settle on that channel. Yeah. But I have to admit that like, I have seen it so many times that like I, I'm kind of good on Wally right. for the rest of my life, <laughs> but not out of like, but like I said, I've never got sick of it. It's just like almost every moment of it is like ingrained into my brain that like I can just sort of imagine it and it's fine. <laughs> you know, I never like <laughs> desire to put Wally on, but having said that we did it on our podcast. So I watched it recently a couple of years ago for that. Um, and I watched it yeah. this weekend for this and just Every time I yeah. see it, I am just so filled with all the feelings that I get from Warley, and I I love it every single time. Yeah, it was it was great actually doing this um these two films because I've got Planet of the Apes on DVD and I've got Wally on DVD, um, and for some reason I couldn't get my DVD player to work. But of course Disney now own Fox, 
So we've got Disney Plus. So Plant the Apes is all there on Disney Plus on their new star thing. And Wally was there as well. So it was easy just put them straight on. So they're just Wait, there. so all the Planet of the Apes films on Disney Plus? Absolutely. On there. Because they've bought Fox. Oh. So Fox just it's just all there for free to watch if you've paid the money to Disney, obviously not free. Yeah. But if you I, I haven't got service. Disney Plus, but the case for getting Disney Plus is yeah, well, is getting irresistibly powerful. <laughs> Disney aren't paying us for this conversation. No, so. no, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I might cut that bit out actually. Yeah. <laughs> Which would fit back perfect to the film. <laughs> and BNL, well, yeah, it does exactly. Yeah, BNL. Yeah. By and large, what great yeah. name for a fictional mega corporation. Disney. And also, um, this film was made in two thousand eight when. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think about Amazon in two thousand and eight no. ever. No. Don't think anyone did. And now, and now it's like it, it's a byword for a, for a yeah. for a mega corporation that's yeah. taking over the world. Yeah, it's mad. Yeah, but it's a. It, I, I. I mean, I was like I said, I was at uni, so I was pretty ignorant to things like that. I guess yeah. I wasn't really thinking about that sort of stuff. But it's uh, it, it's incredibly prescient in its um depiction of a, a monopoly and the damage that a monopoly can cause to the planet well yeah yeah and i guess it's it's the consumerism and, and buying is the equivalent of the nuclear weapons in planet of the apes it's yeah. kind of the, the link between them you know in, in one we destroy our earth by blowing it up in the other we just buy so much stuff that we pollute it completely but of course planet of the apes was made during the Cold War, yeah. where blowing ourselves up was a very real proposition, yeah, and Wally was made in a, a post-capitalist time period where um, buying ourselves to death is <laughs> a realistic proposition. Absolutely, they're both very yeah. realistic post-apocalyptic depictions. Yeah, it's that term "buying ourselves to death" I've not heard that before, <laughs> but that's like that you could definitely like that is the perfect way of summing that kind of thing up. <laughs> it is, yeah, scary, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's yeah, probably yeah. a a whole subgenre of films that could be created there of the the worlds that buy themselves to death and things like that. Have you seen Idiocracy? No. Idiocracy is a it's a Mike Judge movie. Um, right. The guy who created King of the Hill and Beavis and Butthead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a comedy uh, that's like a actually plot wise like a mashup of Planet of the Apes and Wall-E. Uh, a guy is frozen. Uh, for x hundred years i can't remember and he wakes up and um it's like a post-apocalyptic world where um basically just everyone's stupid just like below average intelligence and they've all that sort of person's taken over and you know it's all like dude bros running the country (laughs) and um and there's just like mountains of trash everywhere and it's it's all about like uh, convenience culture and stuff like that so uh-huh. it's got similarities to Wally, but it's like the yeah. the functioning society before the utter collapse and the mm. uh, the main character is uh a deliberately average man who is now like the smartest man in the world and is trying to teach these people how to be better and you know be more ecological and stuff like that You're right i might have to find it sounds good it's it's very similar yeah it's a very similar like post-apocalyptic that kind of subgenre you were talking about. It's yeah. yeah, they buy themselves to death in idiocracy as well. Cool. That sort of post-apocalyptic landscape as well. It's so sort of like it's fundamental to this film, isn't it? Like when you yeah. when you come in and you see the world, and you see Wally just going around doing his bit. Like he's doing his job. He's still doing what he's been doing for ages. There's still yeah. something quite 
sad about that, isn't there? Because like the way that the world looks and the things he comes across, and even when he finds the other Woolies and like takes bits of them and he like uses part their parts to keep himself going. Yeah. It's all sort of like it's it's quite disturbing at the same time as being like I, I can't quite describe it, but there's something sort of something about those moments. There's a lot of kind of disturbing imagery, I think, in this film that I hadn't picked up on probably the first few times I watched it. And I think, again, it's that thing of when you're watching something, knowing you're going to talk about it, you, you take a little bit more notice of things. But there's a lot of, you know, he scavenges off the dead effectively um, to repair himself, which he seems to be very good at. Um <laughs> Well, he's 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 very very anthropomorphized. Is that yeah. how, is that how you say that? Yeah. Um, for for obvious deliberate reasons to make him yeah. a likable, cute character for 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 kids and uh, university students to relate to. <laughs> um, that that's really important. But then because he's so anthropomorphized, you're you're seeing him take bits off other cute little Wally robots. Yeah. And it becomes a bit of a of a dissonance there and that feels a bit weird yeah but i don't know like he he is a robot and those robots are deactivated and he's he's got a job to do which is clean up the planet yeah and he's very like pragmatic in his approach um he's like he's a he's a theseus ship of a robot that he is slowly replacing every single bit of himself yeah yeah true to to the point where at the end of the movie you know they kind of make it look like there's there's this one little bit of him, his CPU, or whatever it is, that's the soul of Wally. That yeah. you know, if you replace that, then Wally will be no more. But yeah. by the end of the film, he does replace that, and he's still got his uh, soul yeah. or whatever oh. that makes yeah. him him. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, he fully replaces his entire body. But I get why there's a. It's weird to see him kind of cannibalizing his dead comrades uh, who are just on the junk yeah. pile. <laughs> it's only more so because he seems to have broken his programming so much you know he's he's almost becoming human in that he's watching you know hello dolly every night and he's collecting all these different things that were obviously of the world before so he's broken his program to that extent but he's still okay to rip off bits of his comrades i suppose suppose it's it's the ultimate form of recycling isn't it (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. Just, yeah, <laughs> yes. just looking at it that there's, way. There's that element. I also, I don't think he's broken his programming too much. I think, um, I think he's existed for longer than his programming was designed to kind of account for. Like he yeah. is, he's a he's a dedicated little worker. He's sticking to his programming. He's yeah, going to pile so, up yeah. that trash until until he ends up on the junk pile like his friends. Like. Yeah. He he will always do that, and that's his core programming. But then there's this element of him that's just like piecing together remnants of of culture and civilization that he has no business sort of interacting with, but yeah. it's affecting his understanding of the world. Uh, and then he becomes obsessed with with Hello Dolly as <laughs> off the back of that. But no, I think his his programming just didn't account for any of that stuff. It's so interesting because he's got all of these aspects to his character, but at the same time, you can watch this film as a kid and just be like, it's a cute robot. Yes. Yeah. He's just doing his thing. And so it's, it's got... It, that, this is why Pixar is so clever, because they can have all of these themes and messages in their films like about sort of ecological problems and keeping like taking care of the planet, mm. but they do it in such a way that a kid can understand it, 
yeah. and like adults can look at it and be like oh yeah this this could happen to the world yeah yeah yeah, but but that's a good message for kids as well because you want to you want to get those ecological messages conveyed to kids subliminally or or at whatever level that resonates with them early doors so that they know that it's not a good idea to to leave skyscraper sized piles of junk on our planet <laughs> and that yeah. has repercussions yeah and you know uh not taking care of your body and uh just lounging around in a chair and letting everyone kind of do everything for you it's yeah. not good for you and you need to wake yeah. up and engage with the world well, there's a lot in it from that point of view isn't it <laughs> <laughs> that's, but that's what any good kids movie does isn't yeah. it there, there's there's messages in there that are gonna just lodge themselves in the back of your brain when you're like five years old watching this movie yeah and you will you will pick up stuff from that and you will understand things about ecology later in life and you'll have a a baseline starting point that is hopefully the right place to start to engage with those topics. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I suppose what you're saying, it's what Pixar do best, they take a topic and they show you the very worst of it and how it can be resolved with the very best of it at the same time. Um, their latest one, Luca, is about, you know, acceptance and how we should accept people for what they are, regardless of what might be, whether in, in the case of this, sea monsters or, but it's, you know, acceptance is their big term there and it's it's really well done and it's at a level that is easy for kids to understand and for parents to watch and go actually yeah watch this you might get something from it to their kids and this is the same thing but doing it from an environmental point of view yeah, and yeah. lucas lucas a really good one i watched it the other day and it's, yeah. it's got so, all those kind of aspects to it but i think with this one because it's like it's got the sci-fi aspect to it yeah. it can be even weightier with the themes and mm. it is talking about world problems yeah um whereas a lot of pixar is kind of like um it's focused on individual sort of like um human feelings and things like that and sort of like getting on in social environments and yeah. things like that whereas yeah. this is kind of on a whole bigger scale just because of the nature of it and i think that's quite an interesting thing that sci-fi sort of added to it and the fact it is a sci-fi and yeah, it's still a kid's film and it's a comedy and it's an animation. It's all of those things mixed in. Yeah. And it's not your sort of, it's not everybody's go-to thing for a science fiction film, but that's totally what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is definitely, yeah. yeah. They deal with they deal with death a lot in Pixar films as well, don't they? Like they don't shy yeah. away from the, the worst of life. There's a lot of death. Yeah. But like James was saying, this is, this is more than death. This is extinction. This is yeah, dealing with true. extinction and planetary death. So the the scale of that uh, that heft is kind of like ramped right up in Wall-E. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- death's a big theme in in every Disney film. You know, I can't think of a Disney film where the main character's parent doesn't die at some point in the first five minutes. You know, it's it's kind of it's it's ingrained in all Disney films to a certain extent. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> well, it's kind of, it's like, it's, it is how kids learn about things like that. And I think that is the the shame about a lot of kids' films now. Like, they don't, like, me and Matt have talked about this previously, the fact where, when we were growing up, there were lots of children's films which were a bit darker. Yeah. And it was good to have that kind of, like, darkness and be scared a bit by some of the films you're watching as a kid because it kind of, like, prepares you as you grow up. Yeah. Um, so there is something about that and having that sort of element of seriousness and, and sort of like things like death, having those elements in a film 
for kids i think it's really important it's just sort of like it needs to be sort of dealt with in a in a way that it's still that kids are still able to understand but then they they can learn something from it yeah yeah that 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 makes a lot of sense i suppose yeah that, that i suppose that's exactly why they do it and it's to give parents a chance to watch those films as well and be, have those discussions with their children after watching it as well yeah yeah and it's got to be enjoyable for adults as well hasn't it because if you're if you're sat there watching a film with your kids <laughs> you're still sat there watching it you want to enjoy it <laughs> yeah and pixar do that really well because they have enough jokes in there that as an adult you pick up on enough stuff in there that you would never pick up as a child at all um i know certainly watching being in a cinema with children watching kids films and pixar ones especially there's a point where all the adults will laugh and the kids will just kind of look um and there's points where the kids laugh and the adults go no really that's the joke so <laughs> it does work on very much two different levels all the way through yeah but i think all best it, kids films do don't they yeah yeah is there much of that in Wally that that like um when you've watched it with your kid like is there stuff that's going over his head that you're getting because i think it's i think it's quite innocent apart from the the stuff about planetary extinction (laughs) other than planetary extinction yeah it's it's a really easy film (laughs) yeah no um, i don't think there is actually in wally it doesn't have a lot of uh the more grown-up jokes there's there's elements that you think yeah i can see where that's coming from but i think this it is fairly innocent the way it does it because, because one like one thing especially is like in, in those sorts of kids films is is uh, sex jokes that kids yeah. won't get. Yeah. And we we talked about Wally on our podcast, and we were talking about AI films in general. And there was a streak yeah. of creepy robots and sexuality in robots that makes things <laughs> that can make things incredibly uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. And I was wary of that watching Wally again for our show, but like. Wally's desire towards Eve is yeah. is to hold her hand like that yes. is yes. that's the be all and end all of their intimate relationship. Absolutely, yeah. He he just wants to hold hands with her. It's yeah. it's very wholesome on that level. They don't go it down is. like a more dirty route with what Wally wants to get up to. No, <laughs> I am glad of that. To be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but like I think another kids' film would have at least made passing reference to possibly, it, possibly, yeah, for the adults. Yeah, and, I mean. And they get around that as well because, um, and we we talked about this when we did it, James. I remember like the, the the there's a whole sequence where they're like dancing through space, and it's very reminiscent yeah. of 30s and 40s musicals where the dance scene would yeah. would take the place of a sex scene between the the romantic leads. It's just about you know Absolutely. bodies in movement yeah. together. So they they still do yeah. that, but it's not it's not tawdry as it would be in in possibly another kids film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we, when we talked about kids' films, which were were like that, but were a little bit uh, more dodgy, shall we say? Short Circuit <laughs> came up quite a lot. Short yeah. Circuit. Yeah. yeah, that is a dodgy film. Yeah. yeah. Grim. So, like, I think if you if anybody revisits that one, be warned that it's it's not the film you remember. It's, it's no. definitely not. No. No. But crucially, they they've taken they have taken one element of Short Circuit, which is Johnny Five's very expressive uh camera slash human eye that yeah. is you know that's the bit people will remember from from short circuit and love is what he looked like but they forget that he's a, a creepy weirdo um but <laughs> pixar have very sensibly taken that element and then not made a little creep out of it yeah well they've kind of mixed 
Johnny Five with ET to make Wally. Yeah. Isn't there? Yeah. There's a lot but of ET's look. ET aspect. Yeah, he's yeah, got that that's same. A really good point. I know he's more rounded, but it's certainly the long neck, the big eyes, kind of square body. It's it's there. Yeah, because I know there was something yeah. that they decided in the animation that they would make sure Wally didn't have elbows. He purposely hasn't got elbows. He only That's has interesting. shoulders and wrists. And it was something to do with the design to make him look different enough, but be cute. Because by having short arms, apparently it makes you cute. So, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, it purposely doesn't like have elbows. It's a baby, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, it could be yeah. that sort of oh, innocence. Yeah. Well, there's something baby-like about him, and and it's a similar quality in E.T. They're... they're small and quite fragile and smaller than the other characters importantly yeah. so there's kind of a you want to pick him up and like cradle him and look after him that's that's part yeah. of the process of making him a cute likable protagonist isn't it yeah he even does that same thing of shrinking into himself yeah whenever yeah. there's something it, head goes down he becomes a little cube and at does the same thing his head goes right down he shrinks in that way all yeah. of this is is uh brilliantly like flipped on its head at the end of the film when when all of this characterization is removed from him yeah so that you can you get these instant visual cues that like he's not wally he's not well there's like there's a distinction between wally and wally isn't there? yes like, there is, yeah. wally is the categorization of robot that he is yeah his name is wally yes and at the end of the film there the the shrinking away the movement of the eyes it's yeah. all very solid and static and he's just a, a wally unit in that yeah. moment yeah that that is definitely the difference isn't it that the, the wally is the name of the character the robots yeah. are, are wall ease yeah yeah you're absolutely right on that one yeah waste allocation load lift at earth glass that's what it stands oh. for yeah <laughs> what was he and the uh oh that's um something about an evaluator extra because of her role as like a oh god i think it's vegetation evaluator extraterrestrial like vegetation evaluator that's it that's the one they actually say that one out loud don't they, they? do but that for some reason they I do say that the, but wally the, the dumb the yeah. reason i remember that is because when i say that i've seen this film more than any other specifically i've watched the first 20 minutes like hundreds of times because that's oh, what right. i was writing about is the stuff on earth uh so right. so some of the more some basically everything that happens off earth that i think that's why it always feels quite magical when i watch it because i've seen that <laughs> fewer times so i'm always like swept up in the story yeah i must admit I, I think i think the first time i saw it i said i was on a bus and i think i fell asleep after the left earth <laughs> so i've only i think i've only ever seen the bits on earth the first time so i saw them on earth and then suddenly there's humans on earth at the end and i think i missed the whole jump in the middle because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure when I then watched it the next time, I was like, oh, there's been in space as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's what happened to me on coach trips. There were long, long trips. 12 hours in a bus with 30 kids is not fun. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like, we, it all sort of like the, the, the change in the film and the momentum when they actually go into yeah. space and you see like what's happened to humanity on the spaceship all of yeah. that kind of stuff and the introduction of all the other robot characters and everything like that like what what characters do do you sort of think about when you think about this film what other sort of side characters were your favorites 
Is that a question of me or Matt? <laughs> Both of you. Yeah, I'd be interested because like there's a few which I can think of. Like I really liked um the the like the the character there's a, like one robot who just punches stuff. Yeah. And he's just yeah. a bit mad. Like yeah. he always sticks in my head. And of course there's a the little tiny robot which is constantly cleaning up after Wally. Uh, that's yeah. Mo, yeah. yeah. He's great. Yeah. I like all the the malfunctioning ones, like the one that that, that boxes the whole crowd of uh, security robots. Yeah. I like the kind of this uh that there's a theme of like uh like you were saying Gav, robots not following their programming. Yeah. And the outcasts and well that the, there's a, the theme is really like the that duality between robots who are bound by their programming and robots who have broken free of their programming and yeah. Wally, i think is, is kind of in the middle of that he just wants to clean but he's also got this grandiose vision of love that he wants yeah. to experience yeah. um but but i love that that whole cast of manic robots that that bandy around what wally and become his like entourage and help him escape yeah. <laughs> there is a there's a there's a short called bernie Bernie's really good. Which is, it's, I like that one because that shows more of those same robots that are just malfunctioning a little bit. And yeah, some good Bernie's, stuff in that one. I, I haven't seen many of the Pixar shorts, the ones that yeah. go along with the films, because I haven't seen very many of them in the cinema. Yeah. And I think Bernie gave me uh, quite a warped view of what those were because because <laughs> it's like a perfect tie-in, isn't it? It's like yeah, a it is. Companion yeah. film. It's like happens. Uh, contemporaneously with the the plot of the film yeah so then i thought that like all pixar shorts were going to be like that like a little add-on thing and they're mostly just like you know fun little experimental short films as a short film should be yeah but i was expecting like oh no i want to see like uh you know (laughs) what nemo did next or whatever (laughs) (laughs) they'd be good films (laughs) Did yeah, that. wasn't it called Finding Dory? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> the studio's been around for long enough that all of my questions have been answered in other movies. They have, yeah. Directive. Oh, classified. back to the, the sort of start of the film we see Wally for the first time he's doing his job he's got the little cockroach that he he's very cockroach like himself because he lives through everything doesn't he um, and I think that's what they're trying to show when he runs over the cockroach that it looks like it's dead but then it pops back to life because later on he escapes from the, the spaceship landing by digging and gets burnt to a crisp but he's still okay and that happens to him a few times he gets really damaged and pops back up he's like the robot equivalent of a cockroach isn't he yeah god that's a really interesting take i'd never made that connection before i love that yeah. i've always i've always just seen the the cockroach as being there to like show us wally's humanity like he cares about 
the cockroach. He runs it over and then he's like, he's apologetic. Yeah. But yeah. but those similarities between them as well, you're absolutely right. Like when he's getting like compressed in the uh, yeah. in the plant analysis machine at the yeah. end. Um, uh, but that's just like one example. Like you're right. He's con- he's getting beaten and battered by, yeah. by the end of the film. Yeah, but he always pops back up and he, he's fine again and he's back to being Wally. Yeah. Yeah. And There's... like he's a complete sort of contrast to Eve, isn't he? Like Yes. She's completely different. Yeah, which it's one of those bits that that jars a little bit, but the technology they have on the spaceship and the technology of the robots on the spaceship, including Eve, are so far advanced from Wally. And is it just that they left... Is it because he's just such a functional machine that he has to... That's what he does, so they haven't built him to be a super high-tech thing. I th- I think so because you you say it's different, but but on the axiom you've also got the wall A, which is the waste allocation load lifter axiom class, <laughs> which are the the they're just a big form of yeah. wall E, yeah. and I think it's just they're they're trash compactors. They're not they're not making them look like a MacBook. They're yeah. just yeah. the dumpy <laughs> crappy robots, and that's yeah. what got left on Earth to to do the job. Yeah, which they just couldn't quite finish because there was so much mess that they had to get yeah. rid of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we see lots of, I suppose, Wally's humanity coming through, because I guess that's what they're trying to show. Or is it ro- robot? Man, we tried this with apes before. It didn't work there. <laughs> <laughs> What's the word for it? Is it robot? I mean, robot them. <laughs> we, we discussed this at length in our AI series, didn't we, James? Like, humanity is the word you naturally want to use, yeah. but, but there comes a point where that is not the appropriate word, because... Uh, there's there's something unique about AI life that I, I think we just don't have the vocabulary for yeah, it at this right. time in in our real world lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, we, but it's it's humanity in, yes. in Warwick's case. Yeah, it, yeah. it is because it, he's, we see him looking at all of the the sort of human stuff. Um, there's the great bit where he gets the spork and he can't decide whether to put the spoons or the forks, the spoons, the forks, and just yeah. puts it in the middle eventually. <laughs> And he's the... very he's very fastidious about all of that stuff as well, yeah. isn't he? When when Eve arrives and Eve is like somewhat destructive of it, just pulling stuff off the shelf and then like <laughs> dropping it on the floor, and he's like, no, 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 it goes on the, yeah. it goes up here. It's it's a spork. Look yeah. after it. He wants to show it off to her to impress her, but he's also like he's fussy and yeah. neurotic. Yeah, well, he's been on his own a long time. Has to be. Said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ultimate lockdown he's had, hasn't he? Really? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he he does lots of things that kind of show that as well because he swings himself to sleep, which I quite liked, when he gets on the shelves and he just pushes off and just makes it swing a little bit. Um, but when he gets up in the morning, he's very much like I am before I've had my first cup of coffee. And he stumbles from his bed and puts on his shoes, which I think is a great bit where he gets his tracks and manages to put his tracks on from the wall before he goes outside. Yeah. And so when he gets his son, that he then he's woken up and his son's like his caffeine fix, isn't it? Yeah, that's a great scene. Like he's going, he's getting ready for work. Yeah. Just so, because it gives you that you you can identify with him watching it as an adult, but and like even as a kid, as a school kid watching it, you're getting ready for school. Like yeah. it's it's so relatable, and that's just the perfect sort of introduction for him, isn't it? Yeah. And he's got a little like lunchbox slash backpack as well, hasn't he? Yes. He slings over his back. That yes. I think for the for the kids in particular, like, it's because it's very lunchbox like in particular. It is. Yeah. They're, there's something about going to school there. 
yeah, he sticks his lunchbox in his back and off he goes to collect all of these new funny things that he's going to collect during the day. But then, but then they kind of like they they have a little fun with that in, um, like for example, when he picks up the uh, engagement ring in a in a ring box, yeah, and he doesn't have the the right context for that. He's clearly never seen uh, that type of jewelry in one of yeah. the movies. I I mean, I think he might only watch Hello Dolly. I think he does, um, <laughs> yeah. But he's he doesn't know that. So that there's a it's kind of a juxtap- juxtaposition there that like. He doesn't see it like a human sees it. He's got a mechanical interest in the box, yeah. and that's very robotic. But but it's still like relatable because you you can see what his interest is. He's fascinated by the movement of it, yeah. and there is humanity there. It's just a different. It's different how we process things with our own context. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. collect. I mean, collects all sorts of stuff though that doesn't have that same thing. It's got little dolls collects the the dinosaur there's also things he chucks into that box that are definite toys or different things that kids could relate to as well but yeah the box the box seems quite good i quite like the way he looks at it and you almost think he's going to go that's a beautiful ring and keep it and just chucks the ring away and keeps the box yeah it's sort of his curious nature is sort of like you that get that gets passed on to the um the people on the ship as well doesn't it because they're so sort of they're in their own little world looking at these screens. Yeah. But then as soon as they start seeing everything around them, they get curious about it. So they're becoming more like Wally at the start. Yeah. Like looking around and finding all these things. Yeah. Well, I think it, it, it's it's Mary, switches Mary's screen off, doesn't he? And, and she suddenly said, oh, I didn't know we had a pool. Yeah. You, you think, they're talking about the 700th anniversary of their five-year mission. Um, so <laughs> she's been on there since birth and she didn't know they had a pool. It's It's... A bizarre thing that bit but yeah it is it's that interest in something other than the screen in front of them yeah yeah, yeah. quite bleak that as well isn't it because obviously yeah. there are some people who uh spend every day next to the pool yeah and mary is just not one of those people no um and has just no concept of there being a pool and just yeah chats to her friends on the screen presumably the screens all day every day <laughs> <laughs> what an existence <laughs> yeah so and actually when he fully charges, is that the Windows noise he makes? No, it's a MacBook. Noise. Is it the MacBook yeah, noise? Is it? Yeah, it's the MacBook. Is it? It's a MacBook pairing up. There's a lot of Mac stuff because. Right. What's the relationship? Is it Steve Jobs? Uh, he put a lot of money into Pixar or something. He's right. got. He had a, a founding interest in Pixar. Right. So yeah. there's that. I mean, I think Eve's whole design is like that she kind is, of yeah. fetishization of sleekness that that. Yeah. Apple have with all, all of their products, and especially yeah. in 2008, there's a lot of Mac design influence there. Yeah. I think I'm sure it's an iPod that he's watching. Hello, Dolly yes, exactly. Sure yeah. He's got an iPod yeah. as well, which yeah. is a weird anachronism, but maybe he just couldn't find an iPad in the wreckage. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got it linked up to it. It looks like a VHS machine, it looks like a tape he puts in. So, I don't yes. quite know how he's managed to get that yeah. to work together. <laughs> he's got a built in tape deck as well, I think, hasn't he? Or... Yeah. Or is it just the buttons on his body? He might not have a tape, but yeah. But yeah, but it's like like he puts a tape in somewhere and it plays a tape through the iPod. So, oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he's he's good with his technology. (laughs) (laughs) He's got all the right cables. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. So, um, then the spaceship arrives, and we have him chasing the red dots around and trying to pick up the red dots from the ground, don't we? 
um, and that's the arrival of Eve in the, the massive spaceship she comes down in. Um, which again, <laughs> couldn't quite work this bit out because at the end, when you see the people on the planet and they pull back, there's loads of plants on Earth when they pull away. Yet Eve's been sent out, presumably there's been loads of these sent back to Earth all the time. There's loads of them on the ship. Yeah, the only one she finds is the one that Wally's already found inside a a fridge or whatever it was. So he's keeping it in a boot. How have they not managed to find all these plants? <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that this time watching it to, to do this episode. I think that there's an element there of like, I, I feel like that bit at the end was stuck on. Because if you don't have that, you're right that that is a that's a plot hole, that's a, a narrative gap. Yeah. But there would be a bigger narrative gap, which is they've all come back to Earth. Yeah. On the on the promise of one tiny plant, <laughs> like they haven't got a hope in hell, they're all going to die. Yeah. So sh- showing that is is a little hopeful ending that like. Of course, so yeah, yeah. In case you had any doubts, Earth is fully <laughs> habitable now. There's loads of plants. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, but you're absolutely right that it doesn't make sense that she's searching high and low and, and can't find anything. Yeah. And any other Eve unit never found yeah. anything. And also, if Wally's been there that long, how come this is the first time that he's found an, or an Eve's found him? It's not that well, big a planet. <laughs> uh, arguably, uh, what? well, specifically Eve, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. They don't really get into how many Eves there have been on Earth. Yeah. But Wally finding the plant, I guess, like... I mean, he just spends all his time in the junk. Yeah. So it makes sense that he would have never seen the field of green True, just yeah. outside yeah, of the city. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 Um, so the spaceship comes down, he, he digs himself a little hole to hide from the the burning exhaust ports that come down from the spaceship, which, I, I don't know, there's this thing with this as well, it's the thing I was saying about being a cockroach before, but when the first sandstorm comes, he has to hide himself away. Yeah, he can obviously withstand just about anything. So why does he hide himself away in that little box? I think he's just got this weird, like, fear of damage because of his self pres- self-preserving nature right. that he's had to develop over seven hundred years of cannibalizing his colleagues. Like, he's he's uniquely self-preserving, and and that includes he'll dig away from from fire above. Yeah. And he'll crouch away into his little box shape when there's a sandstorm. It's just, it's just a defense mechanism, I think. Yeah. And he's he's very attuned to that that instinct. Yeah. And the the right thing about this next bit, because I always think this next bit is all very stalkery, because Wally basically follows Eve around the planet, trying not to be seen by her at all. And when she eventually powers down because it's gone dark, he takes her back to his lair. <laughs> A bit. Yeah. <laughs> he takes yeah. her back because he thinks that she's dead and yes. he wants to like look after her and he thinks she's yeah, I mean this is why I came in I came in early doors saying how wholesome his desire is to hold her hand because I I have to acknowledge that yeah, he he's um he's a stalker. Um and that's hard to defend. But he's not Johnny Five. He's not Johnny he's Five. Not Johnny no, Five. no, he's, he's definitely not, gonna, not. Yeah, he's not going to turn up when you're in the bath and then <laughs> say inappropriate stuff. No, he, he wouldn't. But he would. <laughs> he would take you out on a date if you're unconscious. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he's protecting her, and 
that she's, uh, you know, in danger of sandstorms and spaceships yeah. flying in from nowhere. So he thinks that he's got to, like, take care of her. There's this, his whole, like, the the things that he likes about her are the things that are so different from him, that she's so confident and brave and slick yeah. and powerful that he's just not. So he feels like he has to, like, protect her in the same way that he would need to be protected if he just went into a mysterious yeah. sleep. He thinks that, you know, oh, if this happened to me, I would need to be brought back to the thing. I'd need to be recharged in the morning and all of that. Yeah. Like, um, But, yeah, he's got his girlfriend in a coma. And he's, <laughs> you know, there is a creepy element to it, for sure. There is. Just a little bit, yeah. She's well um, armed, though, for a... What whatever yeah. we said, ex, extraterrestrial vegetation extracting thing. She's got very like well. Nuclear cannons or something. Hasn't she? She's <laughs> yeah. just like she's properly kitted out with all of the military tech just in case. Just in case of what though? <laughs> what just in case she needs to. Yeah, in case she needs to. Just in case of apes. Just <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think I, I don't know why she's so heavily armed for the for the job that she has. I think it helps cut against the the creepiness of Wally's yeah. behaviour because there's never he never poses any kind of a threat to her. Both in True. his behaviour, we know that he just wants to look after her, and also yeah. he wouldn't stand a chance. She would <laughs> annihilate him if Absolutely. he did anything. She, yeah. I mean, she does shoot at him when he tries to touch her yeah. against her will. She yeah. almost blows him up. So uh, she's she's so like powerful in that yeah. in that relationship balance that you know it makes him harmless. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm not condoning his behaviour. <laughs> this isn't a way to live. And I also I am acutely aware that everything we said about it being a kids' film and implanting <laughs> these seeds of how to behave. It's got a good ecological <laughs> message, but it's not exactly teaching your son how to be a gentleman, for example. But no. I do wonder if these kind of things have come from, like... I don't, like, because they watched a lot of Buster Keaton and um, Charlie Chaplin films. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything... In, I haven't seen too many of those kind of films, but I don't know if there's that, any, any of that in those kind of things, like... Uh, sort of interaction with women i don't know if that's sort of like clasping at straws but i think it's more the hello dolly kind of 1950s is that 50s yeah. or 60s film that, that kind yeah. of, but it's not but it's set even even further back 20s from that. it's set is it not? Or yeah is it earlier than that and it's that kind of uh male female yeah gender roles that that is wally's only understanding of things i'm i'm justifying the character's behavior there yeah but it, it doesn't it doesn't quite add up for for a kids film that there's definite problems there i think the bigger problem there is like how kids are seeing the gender roles in the film Mm. as opposed to like the individual character's behavior which i I don't think he's he's doing too badly for a little guy but no (laughs) the lessons it teaches are because they do not as good they do gender the robots don't they yes yeah eve looks like a female robot and Wally looks like a male robot. That's yeah. just, there's something in the design of that. And just the way that Eve's sort of like all sleek and a bit skinnier, whereas Wally's just a bit more stocky and compact. That's very sort of yeah. deliberate, but they, they, they never, they're not completely genderized in terms of, you don't know that's what gender they are, no. but that's kind of implied, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. She it's doesn't have robo boobs. <laughs> <laughs> It's but but she's clearly more feminine, yeah. <laughs> he might not want to hold a hand then. <laughs> <laughs> it is implied in the names, though, isn't it? I suppose he's Wally, 
she's Eve. They're very definite male female names, aren't they? So that implication's yeah. there before you even go, well, yeah, she's sleek and more feminine looking. Are there many other named robots? There's Mo and Bernie that we talked about. Um but I mean, they're they're actually. I mean, they're not gender specific names, are they? No, because no, the only other one's really Auto, which is the autopilot, but it's not yeah. a, a name. Um, I know well, it's, sh- Otto, sh- it's Otto, isn't is it? it Otto? Kind of, it's similar to Otto from The Simpsons, like the way Americans ah, right. say Auto, they say Otto. Yeah, which I think that's what they're going for there. Yeah, I know that the ship's computer was originally going to be called Mother. Because it's <laughs> right. to go on a wee they're doing the voice, and they said yeah, you can be mother true. now. But um, I wonder if she was the one who said no, because that's a bit silly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't know, don't know. But obviously now Disney owned Fox, that would be absolutely fine nowadays. Yeah, to a Wally Alien crossover, why not? <laughs> yeah, and it's fine that all the companies are just becoming one big company. There's no problem with that. They're, not at no, all. There's no films that have taught us any lesson about why that might be a problem. It's absolutely fine. Wait well, Disney buy Amazon or the other way around. <laughs> yeah. And there's another sort of film reference in there as well, because um, Otto shaped a bit sort of like how in 2001, yeah. just with the red eye. So that's yeah. like another nice, nice little reference in there. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely the 2001 thing's definitely there, isn't it? And and Otto is voiced by Macintalk, which is another Apple reference. He's ah, the, right. the, the built-in dictation voice from early Mac computers. Yeah. And obviously when the captain finally starts to walk at the end, they play the oh, space, yes. space yeah. march yeah, from yeah, yeah. 2001. Just like, a... That moment is so good as well. Just yeah. like when he's like just actually stepping up. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of comedy in it yeah but for that character it's it's a huge moment and he's not he's not being silly it's a challenge for him to do that absolutely and he and he understands the you know the weight of the moment and why he has to do it like in um like idiocracy is a good comparison for this where everything is kind of played for laughs in those moments but the the captain actually gets to be like a hero at the end of the yeah. film yeah. even though he's a joke character most of the humans are joke characters but they yeah. they become real characters by the end of the film and actually like you know it means something to them and it means yeah. something to the audience yeah, I mean, they, they do pretty much make the captain out to be fairly inept from the start. That you know, his yeah. his biggest purpose is to make the announcements in the morning. Um, but but he fantasizes about uh, you know when when he when he gets the the sense that they might be going back to Earth, he's got yeah. this like heroic desire. You know, he's like, oh, thank you, Captain, you saved us all. Oh, it was nothing. Yeah. Like he wants to be, he wants to have a noble purpose. That yeah, he has no opportunity to. Yeah. And again, he's got that curious nature, hasn't he? Like, he wants to know about where pizza comes from and yes. what the earth looks like and then finding out all these things. And yeah. sort of like, again, it's teaching you that if you learn more about this stuff, you'll get more knowledge and you'll sort of know how to handle these things and eventually save the planet. All this yeah. kind of stuff in there. Plant pizza trees. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> imagine a pizza tree, though. That would be fantastic. It would. <laughs> yeah, so um, the, the film... <sighs> It really changes from the point of view when Eve finally gets the vegetation and is going off into space. Because we then go from 
the silent movie, which I guess is what you were talking about, that you watched this first 20 minutes over and over again, um, to a very different film once we're in space and we're on the spaceship. Um, I do like the, the shot over the the moon where you see the the moon missions landing craft and then the billboard pops up next to it with a by and large advert on it. <laughs> yeah. Um but, I love that they were still they were still making plans to make new yeah. uh expansive movements business wise. clearly as society and civilization was crumbling, yeah. there was still a plan to put a, a BNL on the moon. Yeah. Which is yeah. Um so when we then get to the spaceship, we then meet the human race as they are now. Um which is a very different human race than they were. And you see the the progression because they go along the the pictures, the portraits of the captains that have gone before. And you see from the the thin sort of military type one up to the the new chubby captain that we have. Um and I did notice that he he does say he says that it's the seventh anniversary of their five year cruise. Do you think that's some sort of throw of Star Trek reference to the five year mission from the original thing, or is that just they went for a five-year cruise for a laugh. <laughs> no, I think it probably is, given all the sci-fi references, like the yeah. 2001 stuff we talked about. Like, um, I think a five-year mission is is science fiction. Um, what's the word? It's a byword, isn't it? Like, you, you know what that means when you're talking sci-fi. I did also clock in that uh, in that chain of... Um, in that chain of captains, the captain's portraits, I think they're all named after relevant people the only one that i really recognize is the first one is captain reardon uh and the film is written one of the writers of the film is um jim reardon yeah. who is uh, a familiar name to simpsons fans again he's um i think he wrote i think he wrote a few episodes but he's, he's better known as like a a director and a storyboard one of the animation right. experts from yeah. the simpsons um but but he's got a writing background as well so it's you know Again, it's Pixar bringing together this talent that knows the marriage yeah. between, um, you know, vision and story to bring Jim Reardon in. But yeah, the first captain was was Captain Reardon. Uh, I think they've all got relevant names. They've all got relevant names. I'll have to re-watch that bit and, and spot the names. I'm sure that they've got some good ones in there. Yeah. So we get back to the um, the captain who's... Well, then we get into like, I mean, it's mostly just like, mad chase sequences and it becomes like a classic fast movie we've got a MacGuffin that has to get somewhere which is yeah. the plant and then you've got like five or six characters who all have competing motives relating to that plant some of them want to use it for its intended purpose yeah. and some of them want to stymie that purpose you've got so what have you got you got the you got Ollie uh, Wally and Eve yeah um Wally just wants to help Eve. He doesn't yes. really have like yes. a, a goal beyond that. And Eve needs to get it to the captain. The captain wants to get it in the machine. Otto wants to stop the captain from getting it in the machine. And then you've got the little um I don't know if he's got a name. Gopher? I think he's called Gopher. The little helper robot that yes. is actually doing Otto's bidding and is kind of like going around. I think that's all of them. There might be more, but you've got a whole cast of like then all... wacky robots and yeah. humans around that. But all the it's basically robots. a farce around that, right? Where yeah. we've got to get the plant somewhere. And, and... and every turn it ends up not going quite where it wants to go. Yeah, yeah. it gets yeah. dropped down a shaft. Wally gets hurt. Uh, they get blown out into space. They have that whole dance sequence yeah. in space. But it's all serving this, this purpose of that's, getting yeah. the MacGuffin inside the machine at the end. Yeah, and all because the, there's obviously the 
the extra bit the president put on for the autopilot robots of all these ships? Because presumably there's more than just the Axiom gone out there. Yes, there's a whole universe of, yeah. of uh, BNL ships out there. Yeah, but yeah, the, the, the amazing Fred Willard, who's yes. representing humanity before the this catastrophic decay in space. Yeah. I think it's the only time there's been like a live action actor in a Pixar film. I think I'm not sure. Possibly, I'm not sure. Certainly, the first time when when Wally came out, yeah. it would have been the first time it was done. Yeah. Um, which is, is he actually live action well. in it, or have they yeah, yeah. computer generated them somehow? To it? No, no, no. That's live action footage of Fred right, Willard. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I assumed it was, but then I, there was some movements he made that I thought he moves a bit funny there. He's, uh, I think he's green screened into his little environment, right? I think, which makes him look a bit uncanny at times. Good and he's on a, he's on various different. Um, they're not cathode. They're not cathode ray screens, but they kind of emulate that look, don't they? Right. Like the fallout yeah. kind of aesthetic yeah. of the screens that he appears on that makes him look a bit strange all the time. Yeah. yeah. We get lots of... Um, oh, there's lots of scenes here that remind me of other films. There's uh, the, the scene with all the robots at the start when Wally first gets on the ship and he's chasing after Eve. It's very Fifth Element. The so It's like the traffic scene in Fifth Element where all the ships are flying backwards and forwards except no one's falling through them but it's that same sort of traffic and then you meet all the people who are moving around in a very similar way on their hover chairs yeah. yeah it is that's an interesting comparison because luke is it luke besson or luke bresson luke besson yeah luke besson uh yeah. he he's such a visual director isn't yeah. he um and uh, it would be interesting to see what he would do in animation because, yeah, it, you know, it's animated a- animation directors who who tend to do those incredibly interesting things. Like when Brad Bird moved from animation, he did that Mission Impossible film, and he did some quite yeah. interesting visual stuff in did, there, yeah. particularly like yeah. the opening sequences and stuff. Yeah, um, that that kind of relationship between those types of directors. But yeah, you're right. It is it is quite Fifth Element, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. The other film I spotted was um, the the moment when they meet the other robots uh, in the sort of like in in that ward. It's very sort of one flew over the cuckoo's nest, isn't it? You oh yeah, sort of yeah. all together. Yeah, they're just yeah, that's yeah. the one that sprung to mind for me. Yeah, it just seemed like they're just taking all the best bits of certain films. Going, I wonder if anyone will spot this. We'll put this yeah. in and see what happens. But yeah. I think that's part of it. Like as a filmmaker, you must watch so many films, oh, yeah. and you'll, you'll take little bits of inspiration here and there, and it's just how yeah. you put them together. Like Tarantino's obviously sort of the the, the guy who does this the most. Yeah. All of his films are kind of montages of different other films and things like that. Yeah. But I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's, oh, it's no. sort of like paying. It's like a homage, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just. And seeing that kind of moment, I think that's another thing that as an adult, when you watch this, you will get those kind of references, which yeah. kids wouldn't get. And you'll get that because you're cine literate and you've seen so many films. Yeah. Which, yeah. Were there any other scenes that you guys spotted, which like, because obviously the Fifth Element one, the one I just mentioned, was there anything else that you guys spotted? I mean, there's definitely like, in the context of Planet of the Apes, the, there's interesting comparisons with the the deserted wasteland that he lives in. I don't yeah. think it's as a deliberate cinematic reference Probably it's more because i watched both of these films this week but, <laughs> Probably but it, me, yeah. <laughs> yeah like it feels so i don't know what about you gav was there anything else no i think that was that was kind of it i mean the the chase scenes through the the spaceship are all very very similar all the the old keystone cops stuff that's what it 
brings to mind for me, you know, that even the, the row of cops to stop them all and they all bunch up behind and all crash into each other. It's it's very like those old black and white silent movies that they used to make where you have those type of chases. And um, and I, I already said the the dance sequence through space oh, yeah, yeah. feels very like Fred Astaire and Ginger yeah. Rogers, you know, that yeah. kind of the way they're moving together. Well, it, it's it's choreographed rather than just yeah. animated, isn't it? It, it, yeah. it looks really, really good and it, it's perfect the way it's put together. Um, and there's lots of stuff in from, I suppose, slightly Blade Runner-esque, but much nicer and cleaner, the whole inside mm-hmm. of the spaceship with all the massive screens everywhere, advertising everything constantly all the time. Um, but it's it's too clean and nice to be Blade Runner because... Yeah, it's, a it's really like dirty world. clean cyberpunk kind of environment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. of that has survived on Earth as well, though, hasn't it? There are remnants of screens and adverts on on yeah. uh, Wally's deserted Earth. Yeah, that's obviously the way Earth was going when they yeah they deserted it. Yeah, yeah, because there's a nice bit in that where suddenly one of the screens pops and goes, "Oh, blue's the new red," and everyone just quickly changes their clothes to be blue and. It's sort of like we we are completely consumer led in this world. If you say go blue, everyone goes blue. Yeah. yeah, that's um that's the that's the the main function of it. Something that I'd never noticed before until actually this rewatch was that they do that, but then that also allows uh, Mary and the guy I can't remember his name. It allows John. them to John, Mary, and John to to stand out as the two humans that aren't that have broken free of this culture yeah. because they're no longer like plugged in to the matrix or whatever yeah. and they're they're back in are they in blue and everyone's in red or are they in red and they're in red in and everyone's in yeah. blue yeah yeah um oh so they are kind of still victims of it because it's try red or is it try, no, it's try blue remember. so everyone else try is blue, blue. So they've gone back to red yeah that's it they disconnect yeah. and they're kind of back in their their yeah. plain jumpsuits which are red because that's john ratzenberger who's in yeah. every pixar film so far I think. yeah Cliff Cliff Cabin. Yeah, Cliff Cabin, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was very strange that the the thing for testing the plant happened to be in the middle of the swimming pool and they had to block off the entire swimming pool to put it there. But yeah. then everyone crowds around to see this plant. I guess maybe that was a, a purposeful design to go, when we actually find a plant life, we want you all to see that we found it. Oh, that's an interesting take, yeah. I thought I I just thought it was more like uh for for narrative purposes you needed an audience but but you're you're absolutely right for yeah. for internal purposes they would want an audience for that as well wouldn't they yeah. it would make sense i suppose to to do that type of thing if you were going to build a ship that was supposed to go away for a small amount of time and eventually return that everyone wanted to see it happen it's interesting mm. to think about that kind of cultural ceremony that they planned for for the axioms journey <laughs> that that never got used in 700 yeah. years yeah you should, the captain should really have had a little script that he had to read out to do it all. And I guess Otto got in the way of that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Which, which is another great thing that when the when Wally gets in the way of the thing going down and Otto's pressing the button trying to stop it, somehow pressing that button harder makes it actually work. <laughs> Age-old trick. <laughs> Dig- that digital was an, world. <laughs> that was an interesting moment for Otto as well, wasn't it? Because... Uh... Otto is, of all the robots, expressing like the least humanity. He's so yeah. like cold and computer-like, and just following yeah. his programming. But there's that moment of rage where like he's trying to kill Wally, yeah. and he's like pounding that button, and you see that kind of just that less robotic moment from from Otto as well. 
so we're getting towards the end of, of, of Wally here. Um, we've saved the plant. We've got the plant into the spaceship, and the spaceship has decided how to get us home to Earth. And we have the the hyperspace that looks very much like a Star Wars hyperspace <laughs> when it, it flies off. Another and get Star the white Wars lines. reference, brilliant. Uh, well, there's got to be some of them. Um, and that they then land on on the planet Earth um, in a ship that's obviously meant for landing. Well, you wouldn't have thought by the size of things, but it does go back to where presumably it took off from because all the escalators are still there covered in dirt and whatever else. Um, and we have our final scenes with Eve, who, as well as being equipped for every battle known to man and being able <laughs> to find plant life, can also fix robots really, really well. She's very talented. What? She is. Yeah. <laughs> But also, she's just like she's just using like what Wally had prepared yeah. because he's a scavenger and a hoarder, and she's been shown that. Yeah. So she knows there's this whole like, um, th- there's this whole wardrobe of 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 Wally bits yeah. that she can she can use and try and piece him back together. Yeah. And she does. She manages to piece him back together, and obviously, the end reverts to his wall E programming, and goes off to just be a a trash compactor. Um, and I think that's when we get the, there's a kiss, isn't there? Because there's definitely a spark goes between the two robots that then brings yeah. Wally back. There's there's two. It's the second one we've seen. So it happens in that immediately before the dance sequence in space. Yes. They, she thinks he's died and it's like the first time that she's yeah. actually revealed that she does care about whether he lives or dies. Yes. Yeah. Um, and cares more than her plant directive. Yeah. And she's so relieved to see him, and he's also brought the plant back to her. Yeah. Um, so they they have that little spark moment, and then yeah, we come back to it, and it's the it's the thing that like puts the soul back in Wally after his entire Theseus ship has been deconstructed, reconstructed, including his CPU. There's still something in there that yeah. that is his heart and soul. That it's not just a a piece of manufacturing. Yeah. I mean that's the, the I suppose that's the return of the the fairy tale Disney's that it's the love's true kiss that wakes the sleeping princess, but in this case it's the the female kissing the male that brings him back to life, I guess. Yeah, which is which is nice for a film that doesn't have the best like depiction of gender roles <laughs> to <point>. to flip <laughs> yeah to flip the Disney kiss moment is is a nice thing to do. At the end. But then you've got this heartwarming moment when <laughs> Wally is brought back to life by the yep. kiss of life from, yeah. from yeah. Eve. And yeah, yeah, you're right, Matt. Like seeing her, his humanity come back is really good. Yeah. It's such a moment. You see it all in the eyes, don't you? Because yes, so much of do. Wally is all is the eyes and the movements of those little binoculars. Is yeah. yeah. The the rigidity of those of those eyes then immediately softens. And you just, it's like you see Wally's face yeah. emerge back from the Wally. Yeah. Uh, unit. Do the eyes actually change like colour? Because I seem to think that there were more silver when he's um, they, rigid. They refocus. Is it just the refocus? The, the lenses, the lenses inside his eyeballs refocus, so they're catching the lights. Maybe I so think in a, a different way. Bigger pupil sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that happens immediately before that, and then they tilt. Uh, and you get that kind yeah. of, which is like his his reset moment of kind of yeah. resetting his head. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh. and then obviously you go back but to it, the humans planting pizza trees, don't you? So, 
Yeah. I mean, it, the ending is like, I think the ending's really quite sudden, isn't it? Yes. It actually wraps up. I mean, Eve's got to do the thing and like save Wally, but them getting back to Earth, getting off the ship, all of that, it actually happens incredibly rapidly. Yeah. Yeah. But the the final thing that I love about this movie is the, the the credit sequence, which is like a whole thing, yeah, unto itself, yeah. And they, they... So, like, it happens so suddenly, but then you get this nice denouement from the the lovely, beautiful Peter Gabriel song, yeah. with all the the moving through the ages of animation and yeah. and drawings. Yeah. And you get all, you get basically the what happened afterwards, don't you? You kind of get a recap of what's happened and what's going to happen afterwards. Which Pixar do a lot at the end of their films that they do this extra bit where you'll see what happened afterwards in a different animation style. It's a really nice end way of doing it. Did you get all the way at the very end? Ooh, maybe not. Is there a post credits thing? It, they do the oh, you know, is the, it the Pixar animation low? where the lamp bumps on uh, and okay. normally jumps on the eye. Well, he jumps on the eye, but his bulb doesn't work. So Wally rolls in. Oh, I have seen this. Changes yeah. his light and then knocks the R over and changes himself into an R at the end. So <laughs> it's quite a nice, That's very, a, very end bit just to do. It's a lovely little touch, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, just those... The, they should have kept that. That like um that, that credit scene is so good, isn't it? Just like seeing how yeah. all the years have passed and wrapping it all up. So you don't need to necessarily have a sequel. You can end the no. story there. And it's just sort of like, it's a perfect way of summing it all up and showing how the, the civilization is going to develop. It's going to be like... The collaboration between the robots and the humans is going to work. Yeah, and yeah, it's got a very optimistic ending, hasn't it? Because they're going to save the planet. They're going to fix everything. Yeah, yeah, complete opposite, I suppose, to Planet of the Apes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And <laughs> oh, I was thinking the comparisons yeah. between Planet of the Apes are, are still there, aren't they? As well, because like in Planet of the Apes, they they go away in a spaceship and go to cryosleep, and then they come back, and everything's changed. Same things yeah. happen to these guys. Like humanity's gone away, but they've been awake that entire time and they've been like yeah. living out there. They come back and the planet has completely changed again. But it's it's down to humanity this time to fix it. And that's the yeah. core message behind both of those films. Like it's up to humanity to sort themselves out and do the right yeah. thing. Yeah. Fix these problems before they become something, mm. yeah. Yeah. It's another it's another like narrative problem that they have to address at the end of the film, which is that it's fundamentally a kid's movie. It, it's very hard to when you're yeah. dealing with this ecological disaster this realistic ecological disaster yeah. you still have to then at the end of the day say yeah but we want our characters to like get back to earth and live happily ever after right yeah, yeah. so they kind of have to get to that point but yeah you know, james you're absolutely right like it's striking the same sort of message about humanity's responsibilities yeah um but with a very different tone to do that yeah. yeah, but it's interesting those comparisons because both of those films are completely different in their approach, but they've yeah. still got similar messages and similar things coming through. And it's funny that we yeah. both picked films <laughs> with those sort of similarities. Yeah, yeah. Because when you first said them, I thought, oh, they're really different films. Then I thought about it again. <laughs> I thought, actually, do you know what? They're not. And then when I when I was rewatching the speech, I thought, no, there's so many similarities. They pick up on each other in different ways. Yeah. They're about the same thing. In fact, you're just different times in our our own evolution meaning that the cold war in one against environmental disaster in another yeah. it's interesting that we were, we're both interested in that end of the world uh scenario isn't it? yeah it's only because well, we want to prevent next... it that's what it is we want to sort that's of... not what it is yeah. just going back to wally then just finally any favorite scenes either of you i mean yeah for me it's it's all about that that first 20 minutes on earth 
yeah. uh, just love the way it's depicted. I mean, I still love the rest of the film, but there's something amazing about when, when Wally's on his own just trying to clean the entire planet. It's yeah. really, really amazing. I think yeah. it's him getting ready for work is my favourite, just because it's so yeah. oh, good. Nice. And it adds all the characterization to his character. And it's, 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 it's brilliant. Isn't it? yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. What about you, Gav? Oh, do you know what? I, I, I love the dance sequence in space. I yeah. just think it's so nicely choreographed. It just works. The whole way he pops out with his fire extinguisher, which they've <laughs> kind of, you know what's going to happen earlier because he had a fire extinguisher and knocked him over. But it, it's like, I know what this is. I can use it. And it lets him dance through space. And it's really nice. Well, the, the jet engines go on on the spaceship as they go past them in time with the music. It's nicely choreographed, as I said earlier, yeah. Yeah. It's a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think it holds up then as a Disney classic? Is it a Disney classic? Does it hold up in the list of Pixar films? It... Yeah, it's still my favourite Pixar film. I, and yeah. like I said at the start, like I think it's just a better film, um, separating all the, the nostalgia and, and all of that. Um, I haven't seen all of them. There's, I mean, they've been they've been knocking them out in the last ten years or so yeah. at a rate that I just haven't kept up with. But yeah, yeah I think it holds up. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think the CGI like obviously it's still relatively new, but I can't see it dating it too much in the grand scheme no. of things because it, yeah, it's 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 done really well. Big question then: Can you sell Wally to me in thirty seconds? <laughs> So Wally is a charming kids movie about a cute, lovable little robot that falls in love and just wants to hold this girl robot's hand and he ends up saving the world. And it's also about the ecological disaster that causes the possible extinction of all humanity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, perfect. The lovely end to it. <laughs> that's going on the end of the Planet of the Apes one. So. <laughs> I hope that's good enough to to tease this one. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the better ones I've had. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you both about this. Um, to, thank, thank, to... thank you very much for having us on. It's been it's been really fun. Yeah, it's yeah. been great. I've like chatted about two films which I really love. So yeah, it's been a great time. Same. I hope you enjoyed my chat there with uh, Matt and James. That was the second of the 
two-part episode that I've been doing with them. On the next episode, I'll be talking to Mary Wilde from the Projections podcast. She does lots of other stuff. She is a Freudian cinephile. She will tell us more about what that means in next week's show. Mary and I will be talking about the film Joker from 2019 by Todd Phillips. Here's Mary's trail for said film. If you're a Joaquin Phoenix fan and you followed everything he's ever done, then this has to be at the top of your list. If you haven't seen it already, you need to see Joker because it completely sells Joaquin's abilities for physical performance, for emotional vulnerability, and brings a whole other unexpected, very troubling, very um, captivating dimension of the Joker that we haven't seen before. So it's essential for not just Joaquin fans, but also Batman and DC fans. Thank you again for that, Mary. If you have listened all the way to the end here, thank you very much once again for listening to this podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. That's all from me for this time. So until next time, bye-bye for now. Finally, thanks to Acast for hosting the website and to Max Smith for the theme tune composition. To get in touch with the podcast, remember that website is www.myfavoritefilm.com. Thank you.